0: share something I've shared before um, a time or two um, and I I believe this message is really going to help a lot of people today if not everybody in the room um, because I know it's fitting for people especially right now there seems to be things that get stirred up usually uh, in this season right after Passover and it sort of stays that way until about um, it stays that way until about Pentecost so I'm going to I'm not going to talk about Passover or Pentecost, but I'm going to talk about what happens during, that, during this season. Um, years ago, um, things were going very well in our ministry, and we thank God for that. And uh, we really had no real issues at all that were happening. And, uh, and again, thank God for that. I always said, I said to every preacher, every preacher that would listen to me, I always said that Faith Builders was a special place. And it is a special place, and it's always been a special place. Um, but we had not yet been tested. And I'm not going to tell you about the test. But I'm going to tell you about something leading up to it was sort of like a red flag or a warning. And, you know, God speaks through dreams. And he will give you dreams or visions, and it helps to you to understand where you're currently at. Matter of fact, my elders have a brand-new ministry they started called Dreamers, Inc., Dreamers Inc. And that's Pito. You saw them at the very end. And they're really educated in that. They'll help you with your dreams. And, and I, I was take, thinking, my God, they're going to open that door. And go, oh, everybody's got a dream, praise God. They're going to just with one word, pizza, too much pizza. That's the reason why you had that weird dream last night. That's not spiritual. But oftentimes, God will speak to us in symbols and signs like that. So I was having this dream, and it was real. And I was standing out here on Howell Avenue. Those watching may not know this, but directly across the street is General Mitchell Airport. So the airport's across the street, and this is Howell, and we're on Howell, 4901 Howell Avenue. And and I'm looking at the building. I'm standing in the street, okay? I noticed that I, I was on a bike, like a 1970s, you know, boys' bikes, with the, they had the kind of a chopper look to them a little bit, you know. And it had, the, it had it was just, it was cool looking. I have to admit, it was just a cool looking bike. And so I had a bike similar to that when I was a kid. And I was on this bike, and was, I'm out there in Howell Avenue. And all of a sudden, a wind storm kicked up. Big, massive, howling wind, you know, gust of maybe, I don't know, 60, 70 miles an hour. I'm like, oh, my God. And I noticed in the distance over here, which would be what? Northwest. I noticed that it was getting darker and darker and the clouds were looming and starting to swirl and move with it. Oh no, please don't tell me that's a tornado. And all of a sudden here it comes, That, that funnel comes right out of the sky and it's whipping across Milwaukee. It's coming right directly toward our building sitting here. So I said, Lord, please don't allow that, 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 um, that tornado to come through here and tear up our building. I started rebuking it and all that kind of stuff. And as I'm rebuking, it's getting closer and closer and closer. I said, rebuking in the name of Jesus. Well, all of a sudden, it didn't hit our building. It made a quick detour and shot across the street that's in front of our, our church right here and started going right toward me. And now I know I'm in trouble. So I'm rebuking it I'm rebuking it. You know, when you rebuke something in the name of Jesus, you have full anticipation it's got to obey you. I'm thinking, this thing has got to obey me. And I mean, here it's coming. Here it's coming. And I'll be honest with you, fear hit me. I'm thinking, it's too big. It's so surmounting. How am I going to ever get out of this situation? It was a storm like I'd never seen before. It was coming right towards me. Now it's personal. And so it's coming towards me. And all of a sudden, it starts to detour to my left, around me. starts to go around me, at least the, the small skinny part of it was. And as it was going by me, it went like this. It whipped around and whacked me. Right on the tail end, it hit me so hard, and it was a gust of wind, and it sent me sailing down Howell Avenue. I felt I felt like it was going eighty miles an hour, and at first I'm like, "Oh my God, the bike's just like this, and I'm hitting bumps and stuff." I'm going, "I was scared out of my mind, right? Like I'm going to die. This is going to kill me, right?" Then all of a sudden I was like, "This is fun, man. I'm having a good time." I'm like, you can't do, who's, who's ever gonna believe this? And I'm going straight, it was as real as if I'm talking to you. I'm going straight down the, the road and I woke up. And I felt like Lord was telling me that there was a storm that was coming and it was coming to destroy the church and it was coming to destroy my life. But he said, the very thing that's coming to destroy you, I'm gonna propel you into your future. And even though it felt rickety and like you weren't going to make it, you're going to be just fine. Everything's going to be okay. How many knows that kind of promise will give you such security and confidence when you're in the midst of a storm? The title of my message this morning is A Driving Storm. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed, we have spoke your word already, King, and we have ministered to you through worship and praise. And now I'm asking today Lord God that you would anoint my words that they would not just be merely men's words Lord God who trip off the tongue and fall to the floor but they would be anointed and highlighted and used for your glory I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ until we're not the same again that it would bring such confidence to us Lord God and boldness Lord God especially from now unto Pentecost I pray in the name of Jesus use me Everybody said amen Amen. and amen and amen. Will a driving storm drive you or will you be doing the driving? So it's a little play on words here. Look at Mark chapter six, verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. Everybody say Bethsaida. Remember that while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing for the wind was against. Remember, he's in the mountain so he can see quite a distance. And he sees them and they're struggling in the middle of the sea. He said, because the wind was against them. The wind was contrary, I think the King James Bible says, was contradicting them or keeping them at bay so they can't get to Bethsaida. They can't get to where they're supposed to go. Now about the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea and would it passed them by, everybody say this after me, say, Lord, please don't pass me by. And when they saw Jesus walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. You know, it's interesting that when they're in the middle of their problem, it was like Jesus was coming to help them, but they didn't even recognize it. They're thinking something evil's happening. There's some ghost out here, right? And he said it would have passed them by. And, but they cried out. For all, they all saw him, but were troubled because they didn't recognize that help was coming. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer. I love Jesus because he always brings about a positive spirit. Be of good cheer. It is I to not be afraid. I know you can't recognize me as much as you are, do on dry ground, but I do walk in the midst of storms. I can do that. Then he went up into the boat to them and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled for they had not understood about the loaves. Because remember, he had just did the miracle of the two fish and the five loaves and they were, they didn't get it because the Bible says their heart was hardened. They did not have faith. When they had crossed over, but I say crossed over, some of you are fixing the cross over even this morning in the name of Jesus they came to the land of Genesaret, but I thought they were going to the land of Bethsaida. But instead, they end up in a completely different place, the land of Genesaret, or we would call the land of miracles, because that, that's where Jesus did the most of his miracles were in Genesaret, at least the most recorded miracles was in Genesaret, And they did what? And they anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about about on the beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. Church, there are reasons for the storms that come into our lives. And the number one reason is because of where God wants us to be. We have an idea of where we would like to end up. That would be Bethsaida. But all of a sudden, plans got switched on us and didn't ask for our permission. And now we're heading in a different direction. And a lot of times people will begin to rebuke the direction thinking, I'm not supposed to be here. But could it be that God's using the storm? Come on, y'all. Not to drive you out of your purpose, but to drive you smack dab in the will of God. And you end up in a place of miracles rather than a place of normalcy. And that place I would call, that place that God wants us to be is our destiny. Everybody say, my destiny. A life is built on a foundation. Whatever the foundation is will determine the kind of destiny you will have. That's why Jesus talked about the fact that when you build your house, you build your house upon the rock. He said, You can build it upon the sand, but I'm telling you something about sand sand shifts. Sand will shift with the storm. And when the storm comes, it'll come to destroy the house. The winds will blow, the floods will come, uh, and, and, the, and the rain will beat upon the house and it will destroy that house if it's built upon faulty foundation, which is sand. But if you build your house upon the rock, and remember he said, I am the rock. You build your house upon the rock. Your foundation will be solid. He said, the storm will come. The floods will beat. The the floods will rise. The the wind will beat, and so will the, the rain. And it will beat it. You might have a broken door or a broken window, but your house will be preserved in the end. In other words, he did not promise that you would not have a storm. And sometimes we get ourselves so busy praying against the storm, but sometimes God will allow the storm in your life just so you'll know that you have been founded upon his rock and the place of destination may not be what you thought, but it's the perfect will of God. I have friends and my wife, actually, the closer to her than to me, and I never really met them in person. She spent much time with Hope and Jerry Snyder in, um, in uh, Louisiana, Baton Rouge. And uh, I had a dream about them, and I didn't share the dream at first, and some of you know the story. And, I, and the dream was about a, a massive storm. I, matter of fact, I was walking, I was in Baton Rouge, and I'm walking, and it's, yesterday was a beautiful blue sky day. I mean, there's no clouds at all. It was gorgeous. Even the grass was beautifully green, but everything, not a house, was left. Everything was destroyed, every tree Tree was broken in half and it was completely devastated. Everything was devastated. And but yet there was still a peace in the land. I can't explain I can't explain it. And as I'm walking, I see Jerry and Hope Snyder. They're pastors of a church. You bless them, if you recall this. And and they were they were in a tow truck, a old beat-up 60s tow truck. And I walked over to them, hey guys, what are you doing here? And they were smiling and they were happy. And and Hope had her feet up on the dash. And um I said, well, my goodness, it's good to see you. And they said, well, we're here, and we're here to pick up anybody who's been stranded from the storm. And they said, as a matter of fact, uh, they said, we feel like God has given us a brand-new ministry, and this is our new ministry, and so we're just so excited because God is going to use this us in a brand-new way to pick up the wayward people that have been left out in the storm. I said, well, praise God. And, and, and the whole time I'm hearing a song in the background. And the song, you might remember, how many of you have heard of the Rolling Stones? Now, I don't follow the Rolling Stones. Of course, I've heard them my whole life. You know, they've been, they're old, old. They've been around a long time. Are they still touring? I have no idea. They've been around a long time. Every year they want to retire and they come out with crutches and stuff and wheelchairs and they still bang on the guitar. I don't know. But anyways, and, but there's a song. I don't know the name of the song. I've heard the song. I don't know the title of the song. I don't know the words to the song. I know the tune of the song. That's it. And I'm hearing it play over and over in the background while I'm talking to Hope and Jerry Snyder. I kept thinking, even in the dream, where is this coming from? When I woke up, it was still playing in my ears. I had no idea. I knew it was significant. I woke up, and when I did, I went to Google, and I looked up that song. I finally found it. Do you know what the title of the song is? Give Me Shelter. And the whole song was talking about a storm was coming. But that they were going to be okay in the midst of the storm. My point is, I gave them that word, blew their mind. They were so excited about that word, and then the, uh, St. Charles got nailed. Was it not Baton Rouge? St. Charles got nailed with a massive storm, and to this day, it's changed the trajectory of their ministry. And all they're doing now is helping people and have trucks of food coming in and blessing their city. Come on! So you may not end up where you think you're going to end up, but God can use a storm. Come on, He can use a storm. To get you where you're supposed to be the bible says that the foundations be destroyed the devil will try to destroy foundations if the foundations be destroyed what can the righteous do church the enemy is trying to destroy the foundation of our nation right before our very eyes somebody say amen to that and where where are the mothers and fathers in the kingdom of god to stand up and cry out for the restoration of the foundation of our nation Where are the men and women of God to cry loud and spare not and have the proclamation for the manifestation of the preservation of our nation and its foundation? I don't care what culture says. You need to make up your mind. You're going to follow the kingdom or you're going to follow the culture. Which one's it going to be? And Jesus warned us about the culture, did he not? And he said, narrow is the way that leads to life, and very few find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who find it. I don't care what everybody else does. I'm not following them into a pit of hell. Narrow is the way, but I'll walk ye in it. Hallelujah. Cancer. I said cancel. I should have said cancel. I was supposed to say, say cancel, but it's the same thing. Cancel culture needs to be put on notice. Who do they think they are thinking they're going to cancel what God says is right? Who does the devil think he is that tell the church how the church is supposed to live and how the church is supposed to respond? The devil can go straight to hell. Somebody say amen. It's time for the saints of God to rise up, shout, and be loud about it. Well, we're offended. Join the crowd. We're offended. We're just offended. If you don't believe like we believe, say what we say, do what we do, we'll shut you down and destroy your reputation. That cancel culture is the same spirit that was alive and well when Jesus walked the earth. And all they want to do is cancel Christ, cancel Christ, cancel Christ, until they put him on a cross. We don't like what you're preaching. We'll shut you down. And they shut them down. You don't stop preaching what you're preaching and saying what you're saying. We'll kill you. And they did. But they did not know God would use the storm of even death. A king would die, but the king of kings would be a rose from the dead. Somebody say amen. And by the way, Just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Your offense does not make you right. Doesn't make me right either. The Word of God is a light unto our path. The Word of God is what directs us every step of the way. Somebody say Amen to this. And church, they are coming. Listen to me, they are coming for our Bibles next. You hear what this preacher is saying. He will not stop, the devil will not stop until he has canceled Christ completely out of America. And if he can cancel him out of America, he can cancel him across the whole wide world because America spends more dollars and cents preaching the gospel from this property, this land, than any other nation on the face of the earth. 10 years ago, they would have preached this. I said, not going to happen. Are you kidding me? Now I'm watching it happen right before my very eyes because nobody will stand up and say, I don't care what you try. I will not change. You cannot cancel God. Somebody say amen. Next they'll be doing after that. They're going to try to shut down churches. You watch and see. Don't you understand what the devil wants to do? He wants to bring us back to the 1600s before this nation was even formed. He wants to bring us back. Bring us back to a place where, yeah, you can have church, but it's going to be state-run. The state will tell you what you can preach and what you can't preach. Does anybody want to live in a nation like this? You see, I'm for freedom of speech. I let the guy over here preach Satanism. He wants to preach Satanism. Let him preach Satanism. My message is so much stronger than his. My message cancels his message. Do I like it? I hate it. But I believe that everybody has the right to say what they need to say. This idea of shutting people down is demonic. And you mark my words. It's coming unless we start to stand up and be heard. The problem is God's people are not willing to go through the storm. They don't like it. They rebuke the storm. They hate the storm. And I'm not saying you can't speak to the wind. The Bible says you can. But I'm saying that you have to understand sometimes God will allow it to get you into a brand new place. And look, the storm is not meant to destroy you. It's meant to guide you. Look what Psalms 107 says in verse 24. They see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind. Wow, God does that. Which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again into the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro like a, 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 and, and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits' end, okay? So the Bible says God is causing the storm and everybody is stressed to the max. Then they cry out to the Lord. Hello, that's novel. In their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses and he calms the storm. So this waves are still. them, they are glad, because they are quiet. But there was a purpose for the storm. Next part of the verse. So He guides them to their desired haven. God used the storm to guide them into their destiny. Psalms 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Prosperity, God takes pleasure in. Prosperity means to do well, to go over and to arrive at the intended destination. So when God prospers you, it's to get you into your intended destination, and God's will for your life is absolutely intentional. God had a plan before you ever came to the planet. He knew who you were supposed to be, who you would become. He knew about your wife or your husband and your children, or if you'd be single. He knew about your, your, uh, your job occupations and where you would live, uh, your vocation and also your location. He knew everything about you. Nothing happens without God's purpose. And I want to show you the direct connection to you and your destiny in James 3, 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce storms, They are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Okay? Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles. So he's saying something here. He's saying that you're in the midst of storm. storm, If you'll use your tongue, it's like a rudder of a ship that even in a storm, you can navigate to where you're supposed to go. You're not left out here without any power. In other words, the driving storm, is it driving you or are you driving it? When you know God's purpose and will, you get to be in the driver's seat because you are now now planning with the purposes of God. I hope this makes sense. You're actually plotting now the destination with Almighty God. You're not working against him. The winds that come to destroy you now fill your sails and it's working with you. And I know something about wind. The more stronger it is, the faster you get to somewhere. Death and life are in the power of that rudder, that tongue. And those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. So you turn on the death cycle or the life cycle by the things that you speak. Job 3 to 25 says, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, Job said, and and what I dreaded has happened to me. So in other words, there's some unpleasant things happening to him, but the process was that he feared them. And in fearing them, he says this, I am not at ease, nor am I what? Quiet. He began to talk about the mountain, not to the mountain. Yes. I am not, I here's what he said. I have no rest for trouble comes. Trouble hadn't come yet. He's telling you, I spoke these things that do exist. I was afraid of them and I used my mouth, yes. my tongue to direct my life into trouble. Job 22, 28 says, you will also declare a thing. What's a thing? It's anything. Your thing is your thing. My thing is my thing. I might not even like your thing. You may hate my thing, but we both have things. What are they? Anything. You also declare a thing, and it will be what? Established. Caused to be recognized and accepted to be set into a secure position. That's what happens when you declare something. Can I get somebody to say amen rather than the first row? So, light will shine on your ways. And when they cast you down, you say exaltation will come. So, when trouble comes, you speak your desired end. Promotion's coming. I know it attacked me, but exaltation's exultation, coming. Then he will save the humble person. He will even deliver one who's not even innocent because he's working the principles of the kingdom. Yes, he will be delivered by the purity of your hands. Jesus even in the New Testament, when he couldn't find fruit on a tree, fig tree, he went there because he was hungry. He'd been out on the water and now he wants to eat. He comes up and there's no fruit on it. And the Bible says, watch this. The Bible doesn't say he speaks to the tree. He does. The Bible says he doesn't, watch this, in response to the tree. In re, it actually says in response to the tree, he spoke to it and cursed it. And said, "Let no man eat from you ever again." The next day, they come, they come on by, and the disciples noticed it was dried up from the very roots, that had already felt fallen over in the middle of the night. It was completely done. His words had power. Watch as Jesus spoke in response. When's the last time you spoke to, in response to your bills? Now you're looking at me stupid. Instead of going, "Oh no, I'm not gonna be. I'm gonna have to get a third job now." I'm going to have to give myself a fourth job. I'm going to have to beg for my uncle. He's kind of rich. Everybody got that, that one uncle that we think stingy, won't give anybody money. Maybe I'll go to him and he'll help me get, huh? Maybe I'll hold back my tithe for a few months and I'll get caught up on da 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 We come with all kinds of things. Rather than understand that we got power with our words. In response, the, 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 the bills say, I'm taking you down. In response, you say, no, you won't. I'm an overcomer. This too shall pass. I'm prosperous. I'm a wealthy nation. This church is about to change. Listen to me from this point to Pentecost. I'm I'm, I'm taking you somewhere with this. So once God tells you your destiny, it's your tongue that keeps it on course. And this morning, I wanna talk and I'm almost done, about the storms of life, your personal storm, the perfect storm for the perfect miracle, a driving storm that you are called to drive. Let's look at another angle of that same story about Jesus in Matthew chapter 14. Immediately Jesus, verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking in the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking in the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and saying, be of good cheer, it is decide, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, here's where the story changes, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, out of control, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Man, you were doing it. You were out there walking on the water. But you let the storm around you get you off guard. And you start thinking, how am I doing this? I can't be doing this. And you begin to deny yourself of your destiny. Where's your faith? And when they got into the boat, Jesus, by the way, picks him up. He has mercy. Brings them back into the boat. And when they got in, the Bible says the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. So to be the driving force of a driving storm, it's going to take faith. Jeff Pruitt cannot come and shelter you. Your your loved one, your husband or your wife, many times won't even understand the storm that you're going through on a personal basis. Remember, he was one of 12 and got up and walked on the water by himself. That storm became personal. Personal. That tornado to me became personal. You know, it feels much better when you got people to fight with you. But when you feel you're all alone, that even your husband or your wife does not understand what you're going through, it's gonna take faith in Jesus, keeping my eyes on him. I can make it. I can do this. This storm is not meant to last forever. I just gotta keep my eyes on him, keep my eyes on the word. Don't back down now. And let me just say, Natural sense knowledge, you know, just the stuff you get at school or the stuff that you learn in life. Natural sense knowledge is based on reason, deduction, and circumstance, right? Faith knowledge makes no sense at all. The Lord will tell you to do something that sounds crazy. And, you'll, and you have, your, your whole objective is to say, yes, I'll do it. I was thinking about this today. I got stories. You've heard my stories, but one of the, the beautiful things that I love in my wife's story is that when she was literally in a storm in her own personal world, her life, and hurting, and going through some stuff. This was years ago before we started this church. And she thought, "Well, I'm not going to sit here and cry forever." She was in her in her car crying and praying, saying, "Lord, I need you." And she said, "Lord, I just need you to put your arms around me." She knows in the natural that's not going to happen, but she's like. She didn't have any other words. I just need your arms. Just, I, need to, I just need you to put your arms around me. Just give me a hug. And she didn't feel much. And she's like, you know, I just got to drive these tears. And she went into the, a bookstore. It was a Christian bookstore. She wanted to look for a couple things. And she went in that store. And it was just her and another woman. And this woman comes all the way across the store. And she says, I know you don't know me. Don't think I'm a freak or weird or whatever but I heard the Lord when I saw you and the Lord said to come over here and give you a hug and it's from him. That took faith for that little woman to walk over to someone she did not know, taking that she might get rejected or be looked like she was a fool, but it was exactly, exactly the moment and the very words that she had spoke and minister life to her. That's the kind of faith we need. See, our minds have been trained by a system that is based on the satisfaction of reason and deduction. We're satisfied by that. So that our five physical senses have the greatest input even above God, because we feel more secure understanding the way we want to understand. But faith is different. Look at Hebrews 11.1. One. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Or it's not perceived by the physical senses. Faith is not physical. Faith is a deep knowing in here that you just can't shake. And you won't shake. It's keeping your eyes on Christ who dwells inside you. So what's your evidence? Your evidence of, of these things coming to pass is always going to be your faith. And my faith shows action to what I believe is corresponding action. Let me make this statement. So even though you don't know what's going to happen, okay, you can still predict the outcome. I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know by what means he's going to use to get me out of this. But I still can predict the outcome. And I'm going to tell you one first that will help you right now. All things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. You should have shot it real big right there. Even the storm, I don't thank him for the storm. I thank him through the storm, that through the storm, I'm going to be heading right where I need to be. I'm not going to miss a lick and I'm going to get there quicker than what I thought. What looked like was my demise, was my destiny. Come on. These disciples were afraid. Jesus gave them opportunity to believe. The Bible says he would have passed them by. He would have passed them by. They didn't recognize that he was in the storm. They didn't recognize that he was there to deliver them and help them and get them where they're supposed to be. What I love this about God. One of God's names is the Great I Am. Everybody say the Great I Am. I am what? Ever thought about that? I am what? He's he is anything you need him to be in the midst of your trouble. I am your healer. I am your deliverer. I am your provider. I am the rock of your foundation. I am your sustainer. I am your shield. I am your defense. I am the anchor in the midst of your storm. Somebody shout yes! You need a breakthrough? He's your barrier breaker. You need an answer? He's your problem solver. You need a miracle? He's your help in the time of need. You need refuge from the storm? He's the rock of your salvation. Somebody shout, he's my rock! Is the storm driving you, or are you driving the storm? Which one will it be? I can tell you who's not driving the storm this morning. It ain't the devil. I rebuke him in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm not going down. I'm going up. I'm not going to break down or break up. I'm going to break on through. (laughs) Woo! Please sit down. In closing, I want to say this. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We got to go, but let me say this before we leave a couple things. The Lord has instructed me something special to do. I saw this from Ed Young Jr. How many you have ever seen Ed Young Jr. before? Ed Young Jr., who knows Ed Young Jr.? Your hand? Y'all need to get out a little more often. There's like a lot of Christian preachers out there you need to know. I'm serious. I think we found so much secular stuff, we don't even know who's really out there anymore. He's a great preacher. Um, he's been around for like a 1,000 years, and so you should know him. And um, anyways, he preached a, a message, and I didn't hear the message. Uh, I follow on social media, and... And when he says, it went in my spirit. And the Lord says, I want you to do this. I rarely do this. I I don't, from time to time I'll get something from a preacher, but I just knew it was the Lord. And he instructed me that we as a church are to pray the prayer of Jabez from now, every single day, until Pentecost, which is five weeks from now. That's called Confession. So we confess the word of God. What does that mean? Confession is the Greek word, two words put together. Is the Greek word homo Logio. Homo meaning same as logio logio meaning the word or the word of God. Okay? So when you put it together, confession, homologio is to say, is to say the same thing as what God has already said. So you're speaking now and declaring what God's Word has already declared and said. That's confession. The power and confession brings possession. Y'all didn't catch that. I need to go back to training one on one here. Confession brings possession. If and you thinking demon possession? Don't you see? You got to understand what I'm saying here. I, I, I gotta get you. I gotta get you caught up. Confession brings possession. What you didn't have, you get. You possess it now, okay? Confession brings possession, and the prayer Jabez is a very special, unique, anointed prayer in the Scriptures. Found and write this down because you need this. Put it in your phone, and then uh, today, son, let's or Anna, we'll make a, a thing that people can. If you go on social media, we'll put it out there so you'll see it, okay? Uh, First Chronicles chapter four, verse ten is where you find this, and Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, here's the prayer. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. What happened? So God granted him what he requested. Jabez's name actually means pain. Could you imagine your mom naming you pain? Pain. And she said, because I had pain in my childbirth. I'm like, well, everybody had pain in their childbirth. Well, I got to be called pain, you know. But he was called pain. And his life was painful. He was an ordinary man. Yet his name is, this ordinary man who had a painful life, his name is mentioned in the word of God. And the prayer that he prayed is actually penned, and then God actually blessed him and granted him what he requested. This prayer has an anointing. My elders and I have been praying since, uh, since uh, what was it? Uh, January 2020. We've been praying for over a year, and we pray the prayer Jabez is a part of the confession that we make over this church and over you and our own lives. Every single time we come together or every time we say the confession. So this is very powerful. I'm going to say it again. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. We're going to pray that. Every day as a church together unto Pentecost. That's five weeks. I didn't mark down the date. I know it's five weeks from today, whatever that is. I wish somebody would help me with that. But regardless, I forgot to put that down, but it will be on Pentecost. You can Google that and find it. Okay, and then we're gonna have a big celebration. I'm telling you, the Lord spoke to me, said I'm about to bring um, uh, unmerited favor upon the church like they've never seen before. All we have to do is be obedient, keep our eyes on him, Be obedient to what he tells us to do. That should be easy, really. You know, he doesn't give you a thousand things to do. He gives you a couple things. You do them, okay, obey his word, and then speak this word over your life. Watch what God does for your children. Some of you need your kids to come home and start serving God again. This this is a prayer. Some of you need favor like this in your life or your finances. I don't know what it is, but your health. I'm telling you, God, look what Numbers 14, 28 says. Say to them, God said, say to the people, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. So it's important, imperative what we're speaking. Is it going to be God's word or my word? We're going to speak God's word. Are you ready for some change to happen in your life? Somebody say amen to that. Come on now. I'm excited.